0: Business Power
1: Hour. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, where we give you the rational perspective on business news that matters. Well, can you believe it's the 5th of May, Wednesday, the 5th of May, coming to you from Santon uh, here at the headquarters of biznews.com, global headquarters of biznews.com. Uh, Justin?
2: It's an interesting way to put it, Alec.
1: Well, we do have <laughs> colleagues in London and Edinburgh, uh, so I guess you can call it global. You're not lying. Oh, we're not lying, <laughs> for sure. And uh, we're going to be bringing you lots of interesting stuff in the next hour. Co host, guest co host tonight, Magnus Haystick. Hey, Magnus.
3: Yeah, good afternoon, Eric. Uh, Good
1: afternoon, listeners and viewers. Listeners and viewers. Yeah, let's not uh, forget that we do go live stream via YouTube. I think from next week we're going to have to probably uh, suit up.
2: It's going to be interesting. I'm going to have to go to the dry cleaners, but that's not a bad thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about some crazy stuff that's going on. South African Airways and Mango are being bailed out. Again, 2.7 billion rand of taxpayers' money has been voted by our governors uh, to put into those airlines, which are already bust and have got rid of most of their people. But who knows? Miles van der Moerlen, who's the chief executive of one of the competitors, Seme, uh, must be salivating at the thought of getting, say, $800 that's going to Mango. Imagine what he could do with it. Anyway, he'll be telling us a little more about that story and what it means and why it's happening. We've got Nick Hudson from Panda. I had a fascinating interview with Nick this afternoon. We're going to run quite a strong clip, quite a long and strong clip uh, just before six o'clock tonight. And then Sikonati Manchasha, who's got to have the hardest job in the world. Magnus, wouldn't you agree? Uh, really, to be the oh, spokesperson for Eskim. Wow. I'm
3: sure he's missing
1: journalism when he was on the other side of the telephone. Well, I've... I've, I've I'd like to say to him, come on, Sikunati, come back home. Come to a place where the stress only happens during deadlines, not 24-7. But I guess he's, he's certainly risen to the challenge. There's so much going on at Eskom at the moment, but we are going to be picking up with him on uh, the story we've been following very closely on those uh, tubular construction criminals uh, we've got to get ABSA onto the program sometime, Justin. We have to, Alec.
2: It's going to be tough, though, with the amount of bad media scrutiny that they've been under. But yes, I do agree. We'll, we'll try best.
1: But I- imagine what uh, Paul O'Sullivan said. Here's this guy. He, he works for ESKIM. He's a group executive. So he's one of the top guys. He goes into the bank and draws 5 million Rand in notes. And, and the ABSA, and he didn't do it once, he did it many times. And Absinthe said, well, there's nothing unusual with that. You and I go into a bank and try and draw 100,000 rands in notes, and you know what is likely to happen. Well, yeah, go and and speak to somebody else, please. (laughs) What do they let you get in an ATM, 4,000 rand? A few thousand. The whole thing is just bizarre. Somebody somewhere hasn't been asking the right questions or certainly hasn't been telling the truth. And then we're going to also be talking to... Rayburn Hendricks. Now, what's the story there? Ravigo, we spoke to him just ahead of
2: supposed listing. So we spoke to him just ahead of supposed listing. At 5 o'clock that day, half an hour before the show, we hear that the listing is going to be pulled. The sense comes out the morning after at 8. The listing was pulled, but it was just delayed. And now we hear that the listing is completely cancelled. Um, From what Rayburn was telling me today, it's going to be another 12 to 24 months. They're going to get their prospectus in order. Um, They're going to fund the underlying businesses in South Africa. There's only one is really profitable right now. It's a very concentrated um, risk scenario. And and I think there are a few other regulatory issues which we'll unpack with them. Um, I'm very excited for that conversation.
1: I listed a company in 1999. The hoops we had to jump through before we could even get to the point of saying we are going to list – and these poor guys must have done so much investing of time, energy, effort, and cash to get to that point and then have it li- pulled at the last minute. And there's no Chinese government uh, like Alipay involved here.
2: Exactly, Alec. And, and what confuses me, this is the only listing on the JSC this year. What have the JSC been doing? Surely two weeks before. This isn't the New York Stock Exchange and there's two IPOs a day. What have they been doing for the last four months? And yeah, absolutely crazy.
1: Well, I guess they've been keeping themselves otherwise occupied. Our editor at large, Jackie Cameron, is always well occupied and she's got today's flash briefing.
4: South African Revenue Service Commissioner Edward Kieswetter has promised zero tolerance against tax dodgers. He told Parliament on Wednesday that the Revenue Service would act without fear or favour against any individual or entity that did not meet its tax obligations. It's been reported that the ANC has failed to pay over to SARS millions of rands in pay as you earn tax collected from employees. The ANC is currently struggling to pay staff salaries. In good news for medical aid members, the government has proposed new rules to curb steep co-payments. The Registrar of Medical Schemes has gazetted a notice indicating that these co-payments will be limited in the coming months. In addition, medical schemes must prove they are fair, equitable and cost-effective in selecting preferred providers. New guidelines will be published soon. New coronavirus variants have proliferated across southern and eastern Africa, exacerbating the challenge of bringing the pandemic under control. This is according to analysis of genomics data. A strain first detected in South Africa late last year is completely dominating all infection in southern Africa and seems to be entering East Africa, says Tulio de Oliveira, a director of CRISP, which is a genomics institute in Durban. De Oliveira says that another variant is completely dominating infections in Uganda and Rwanda and is spreading through truck routes. Two separate strains have been identified in Nigeria, one of which has spread to more than 50 other countries, the CRISP director said. Meanwhile, the Democratic Alliance has urged the South African government to halt flights from India where there is a shortage of oxygen to treat people with COVID-19 in hospitals. In the UK, the National Health Service is getting ready to roll out booster jabs from September, which would be the third vaccine of the year to fight COVID-19. The MTN Group is making progress towards separating the company's financial technology business and disposing of South African towers as the continent's largest wireless carrier works on slimming down. A plan to spin off the lucrative fintech unit, which includes mobile money, should be finalised by the end of March next year, Johannesburg-based MTN said in a statement. The shares rose in Johannesburg, extending gains for the year to almost 54%. Donald Trump's Facebook ban has been upheld by an oversight board. An independent panel says the company must decide in the coming months whether the former president is permanently locked out of the platform. This is according to Business premium partner, the Wall Street Journal. The decision, which is binding, largely ratifies a choice personally approved by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg in the wake of the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot. The Wall Street Journal warns that the decision could have far-reaching implications for how technology companies police political speech. And in late breaking news, it has been confirmed that the ANC has suspended its Secretary-General, Ace Magashule, in connection with corruption charges. Magashule has officially been suspended, albeit temporarily, and is not allowed to make any public announcements, says Bloomberg. According to Bloomberg, former President Jacob Zuma may also be suspended soon. And that was your BizNews Flash Briefing. I'm Jackie Cameron for BizNews. For more on those and the other big stories of the day, do go to biznewsradio.com.
1: Brightrock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movements in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes, and most appropriately, we have Stormers Fan. Justin Rowe Roberts, to bring us up to date.
2: The All share index was up at 67,400. Some of the day's highlights included MTN up 11.5% to 99 rand a share as the telecommunications provider announced an upbeat quarterly update and plans to spin off its fintech business worth approximately 80 billion rand. Tiger Brands was up 9 rand to 206 rand per share. First Rand up 3.5% to 51 Rand, and Steinoff was up 4% to 2 Rand 10 cents, as the company announced formal plans to, to list discount retailer Pepco on the Warsaw Exchange. In the currency markets, the Rand was flat against all the major currencies, to 14 Rand 37 cents to the dollar, 19 Rand 98 to the pound, and 17 Rand 25 to the euro, gold is up at $1,783 an ounce. Rencrude is up at $70 a barrel and the premier cryptocurrency will put you back eight hundred and twenty thousand rand a bitcoin.
1: And it is appropriate because BrightRock also sponsors the stormers, don't they? So Love BrightRock. Well I think
2: I'm gonna start doing my policies through them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they sponsored the sharks, uh, I'd be doing the market report. Mm, this market report was made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Well, tonight's guest co host, Magnus Hastek, the founder and chairman of Brenthurst. In the news, Ace Mugashuli, just breaking, has been suspended. So, the man who had a book written after him, which was termed The Gangster State, uh, is out, or so it seems, Magnus. It can
3: only be seen as good news, Alec. I mean, it, it looks like President Cyril Ramaphosa is strengthening his position within the ANC, and that must be good news for South Africa, no doubt about that. And it looks like it's been a last-minute standoff between the so-called Mogashula camp and the and the and the Ramaphosa camp. But the fact that the um, the top six or the NEC six have signed off on this. Uh, temporary um, banishment into the wilds is a, is a very good sign. It might just be a political mover, but he had no choice. I mean, they went out and said it is going to happen, and if it did not happen, there would have been a severe uh, a reaction, I think, from from politicians and and the rest of the world. So, it can only be seen as good news? And and, and we must take um, you know these good news items when they come along and really applaud them. So, yeah, well done, and let's see how it rolls out over time.
1: One thing that I learned from the months that I spent reading the audiobook of the Sir Ramaphosa biography was that Ramaphosa doesn't enter a fight that he can't win or that he's not absolutely certain that he is going to win. And certainly when he took on Magashula here, which some people said was a watershed moment for the ANC and for the country, uh, he would have gone in there knowing that he held all the right cards.
3: I think there was, I mean, the, 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 the mountains of evidence against Magashule in, in so many spheres over so many years came, came into play in this, in, in this instance. It was very, very difficult for Magashule to defend himself. The Books have been written, articles, um, just about every media has exposed some kind of shenanigans over the last couple of years. So I think, you know, the ANC really didn't have a choice. The, the, the evidence was stacked up against Magashule. Uh, books have been written, he's been charged. So, yeah, really hard to defend him, say he is you know, innocent until proven guilty, especially in a top position like that within the ANC.
1: Indeed. Well, I'm really hoping that our little tech issue we had last night has been solved because it's a warm welcome now to Miles van der Merlen, who, like you, Magnus, is an entrepreneur. Uh, he is the founder and uh, CEO of SEME. Uh, Miles. I- can you hear us loud and clear and i'd love to know if magnus can hear you
5: Good evening, Alex. yes i can hear you can I
3: hear you well yeah Hi, Hi, you. Miles as well.
1: okay we we had an issue last night miles you can't believe we, we were being pilloried on youtube because for some unknown reason our phone guests were not going that you we could hear them fine in the studio but our our, in our virtual studio they couldn't be heard and on YouTube they couldn't be heard either and we were told to wake up and some other really um, kind of unkind, unkind
0: things hey,
2: yeah shame Stephen Nathan really had technology working against him yesterday I was conveying messages to and from over WhatsApp no it was chaos but good to have you here with us Miles and, and good, for, good that Magnus can hear you loud and clear
1: 2.7 billion rand uh, compared with what saa has lost over the years it seems like a drop in the ocean but it's still 2.7 billion rand which 800 million is going to mango 1.6 billion is going to south african airways technical services and 200 million would you believe to air chefs. who knows what they're doing now with that 200 million because there aren't too many people that are flying uh, certainly not an saa miles you've been competing against these guys forever uh, not with the benefit of any bailouts. I, I mentioned in the intro to the program. If you got eight hundred million that Mango is getting, what could you do with it?
5: Well, it's a it's, it's a pile of money, and you could build a very impressive airline um, from a from a clean sheet with that. So
6: uh,
5: I don't know the exact position. Mango's position is very opaque, unfortunately. But my understanding is that that amount um, will go some way towards um, covering the existing creditors. So it's not even you're going to leave them in the black. Um, It's it's, uh, more maybe required, one understands. So this is not
1: not to put these uh, operations on their feet. This is actually just to meet the debts that they've accrued.
5: From what I understand, partially so. Um, It it won't fully meet all of those debts. Um, They've they've run up some some big accounts, one understands. Unfortunately, the situation with Mango is very opaque. Um, Ever since its inception, they uh, didn't produce their own financials, and they uh, rolled their financials up into SAAs as as a subsidiary, um, which, uh, in my view, uh, when you're using public funds, um, the public has a right to see what you're doing with it. But uh, it's never
1: happened. Something that hasn't come out yet, but I do know is true, because I've seen the Government Gazette notices on it, is that these airlines had to buy their their fuel not from Total or Shell, but through a BE party that was injected between them. So in other words, there was just somebody there rent-seeking or rent-receiving. Are you in a similar situation, or could you buy from... Uh, anybody that you like? And, and kind of secondly, if you weren't, if you had to buy through a third party, how much of an impact would that make on your business?
5: We buy directly from the um, lowest cost provider, which in Johannesburg is, is Cecil. They've got a very large market share Um and um, you know they're very effective. I have heard that um, those entities were you working through um, a middleman as such. Um, we did have over the years people that approached us with with um, proposals, but uh, you know we're very cost conscious, so we just uh, went directly to the source. But um, I, I don't remember offhand exactly what margin um, they would take.
1: But, it's... but uh, Magnus, that, that's like beggars belief, doesn't it? That here you've got airlines that are owned by the taxpayer, but somebody has been injected in between the airline and, uh, and the petrol company on the, on the basis of some kind of weird BEE logic.
3: I think it's not only SAA or Mango. Or, uh, I think it's across the board in all state-owned enterprises where, over the last couple of years, we can see it now in Eskom, and we will see it, no doubt, in in, in, in Prasar. I mean, when there ever is a deal, there's always someone injected between the buyer and the seller. We're seeing it now with the uh, the power ships that are coming our way. Uh, there are lots of questions about suddenly there's a, a BEE uh, a company between the two that was registered barely a year or two ago which stands to make millions and millions of rands over the next 20 years, if not hundreds of millions of rands. And that's the problem with catered employment, and and the whole way it's been done between a contract and the end producer. You have an ANC connected company or individual, and there's so many many uh, claims of of under the table payments back to the ANC in exchange for getting the nod. For that particular contract. I mean, the media has been feasting on these stories over the last ten to fifteen years, and they're still a fact of life. They're still in most big companies, uh, and 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 it's it's without the media that they, they would absolutely flourish. But it's just mind boggling. It's certainly Kevin is. Gordon is fairly fairly sensible guy. Still carries on with this. Putting more money, more money, more money into our airlines and our state run airlines.
1: Uh, But uh, coming back to you, Miles, given that these airlines had to have all of these uh, parasites sucking lifeblood out of them, did it make it easier for you to compete?
5: No, not at all. The um, fares that they charge were often are often below cost, you know even mango with its current troubles, if you look at the um, tickets on offer over the next couple of days, are well below the cost of running a service so that 's how you end up with um, such big losses. You run um, a service below normal cost, and then your your, your cost base is, is significantly higher.
1: And so what's going to happen in future with presumably Mango gone, SAA being a fraction of its previous size? Comair uh, itself is much smaller than it used to be. And you are seeing a new entrant in Lyft, uh, yourselves, Safi, Is it going to be a, a pie that's more evenly distributed?
5: We do hope that we are seeing the beginnings of a, of a level of a playing field. Um, obviously, the market has taken quite a knock as well, so the demand is is, is heavily subdued at the same time and, uh, you know, everybody wonders when demand will return Um, but uh, it's dragged on longer than uh, than anybody thought already. Um, So, yes, we are, uh, you know, all anybody hopes for is is a level playing field and we're we're hoping that um, with this round, um, it's getting more and more difficult to justify these these actions and these enormous bailouts and um, the reliability of these operators is now has also been compromised. So, It has changed the landscape completely.
2: Miles, that leads on to my next question. Where is demand at? I know, Seme, you guys fly more niche routes. Uh, I'm sure you're benefiting from the uptick in in semi gration and leisure travel, especially within South Africa. So where is demand at as a whole?
5: So what we're seeing, we are on all the trunk, routes effectively, on peak days. Um, so what we're seeing is an amplified uh, demand curve based on day of the week. So the, the peak days are, are strong, and we have seen a strong flow of immigration, um, particularly to, to the Western Cape. Um, a lot of people are leaving Johannesburg and, and still are looking to commute or, or traveling a lot. So we found some of those niche routes um, are have, have, are quite robust. Um, but on the days when demand is soft, you know, traditionally the uh, Tuesdays and, and Saturdays are, are the quiet days in airline traffic. We're seeing really, really soft demand there. So uh, we're hoping that that international travel will return the second half of the year. I don't think it's likely until the end of the European um summer. But we're hoping as we go into our summer, we'll see some international traffic return. And business travel is still quite light. So the leisure travel, I think, has been um, buoyed by very low fares. Um, you know, consumers are, are offered fares at the moment that, that um, are unbeatable, hopefully won't be repeated in, in truth. Um, but very few business travelers are, are, are back. Um, and they, they seem to be a lot more cautious.
1: Miles, just to close off with, are you telling us then that for the budget conscious, you should be flying on a Tuesday or a Saturday because you get better prices?
5: Yes, absolutely. Um, it's both for choice at the moment. I mean, you can get, I think Safi is offering tickets at 422 Rand, including that and all the airport taxes. And uh, it's, it's just, um, it's a loss leader to try and simulate the market. So it's never been a better time to uh,
1: to travel. Miles van der Mullen is the chief executive of SEME. And, well, Magnus, (laughs) it's a tough place that he's been in, but it just shows that when you have good entrepreneurs, they manage to make the best out of any situation. There's a question that came through on our live chat on YouTube for you. It's from Brett Rosendahl, and he asks, um, he's invested in the JSE via Satrix, so probably the, the Satrix 40. Is it a good time to reinvest in a global Satrix uh, in other words, switch out of uh, where he is now?
3: Not yet. The Satrix 40 has had a nice run in the last 12 to 18 months. The commodity cycle is in full play. I mean, that's very evident. All over the world, commodity prices, precious metals, and, and our trade balance is in a surplus. In fact, it's the highest surplus it's ever had. That would count against a weakening or a sudden weakening in the RAND in the foreseeable future. So I will hang on uh, and play out the commodity cycle, which is normally good for the JSE, good for good for the rand. Wait until the cycle turns, which, which we don't see yet at this point. In fact, we're very bullish, and we've actually uh, I, had look, we, I had a look at we had a look at Pitfall Un from Counterpoints Value Fund. It's doing absolutely mind-boggling stuff. It's up thirty percent. using in all the right counters. So I would not make that switch now if you're in the JSE. Either in the top, the Aussie or the top 40 or the top 20. You're having a very nice run. Play it out.
1: Magnus uh, is going to be at our Biz News Investment Conference in the Drakensberg uh, in the beginning of September. You'll be able to reacquaint yourself with uh, Pete there. But also at the qu- uh, conference, Magnus, is Nick Hudson, whose presentation at our very first conference in March. Uh, was recorded and went global it got half a million views on youtube in a very short period of time it was then taken down by youtube they didn't like some of the things he said we then republished it on other channels which uh, don't have youtube policies and it's apparently had at least another half a million views so it just shows that uh, when you've got a message that's as powerful as his one people are listening i caught up with him today and it's about eight-minute interview that comes now, but very well worth listening to. Here's, uh, well, listen in on our conversation. Well, Nick Hudson is one of our most popular correspondents, if you want to call it. That's certainly the people that we interview. He is the co-founder of Panda, and lots has been happening since we last spoke, Nick, You've come in for a bit of heat. Some of your members of your scientific board uh, who have resigned off the board, some saying that that's the end of Panda. What's going on?
7: We started picking up a very nasty strain of allegations that Panda was an anti-vax organisation. Nothing could be further from the truth. Our policy is up on our website. We support the use of safe and efficacious vaccines as part of a focus protection uh, strategy for dealing with the epidemic and and, and repeated it endlessly on interviews and so on. But it's a very um, black and white brush that people are painting the world with at the moment. And if you are asking questions about safety or the appropriateness of mass vaccination programs, as opposed to focus protection strategies, then there are people out there who will do nothing other than cast you as anti-vax.
1: And what is anti-vax?
7: Well, I mean, anti-vax, as I have always understood it, is a a kind of fringe lunatic view that says that um, vaccines of all sorts are either um, dangerous or immoral or have some or other um, adverse impacts. There were stories that the MMR vaccines were associated with autism, for example, which turned out to have been a you know, false um, uh, association, fraudulently so. And so there, there always has been a, a minority of, of people who simply believe that vaccination is in principle uh, wrong. And we certainly cannot be described in that way i don't know of any member of panda who holds anything close to that kind of view and most of the members of panda have children vaccinated and are vaccinated themselves for the purposes of yellow fever or whatever the case may be but it doesn't stop people who you know can't refute your arguments from trying to call you names as we've discovered frequently over the course of the last year
1: and quite convenient if you can be branded as anti-vax, as it were, uh, put yes. into a lunatic fringe, and then no one will listen to you ever uh, again. But what happened to the members, to get back to that original question, yes. of the scientific board?
7: Well, two newspapers in the UK started um, contacting them directly with allegations that Panda was anti-vax. Um, and big, we're talking big publications, the Times of London and the uh, Financial Times. And um, they went, it was a pretty much a coordinated campaign, writing directly to the members of the board, uh, threatening to publish articles, make, linking them to anti-vax movements. They didn't consult us first, so they went directly to the scientific advisory board members. The first we heard about it was, um, you know, one night when they, we got some panicked emails saying, um, you now this is what we're receiving from the Times, from this German journalist, uh, Tom Whipple, who's the the science editor for for the Times. The next morning, we swung into gear um, and wrote, yeah, you know, consulted with our attorneys and wrote to them saying, you know, here is the link to Panda's policy on vaccination. If you write any articles alleging that we are anti-vax, we will be after you. And that was enough. Uh, for both the Times and the Financial Times to see to it that no article was forthcoming. But in many ways, the damage had been done. And, you know, I mean, these academics are all in precarious positions themselves. There's, some of them have come under relentless attack from their own university institutions, you know, that really, um, in, in the case of Stanford University, for example, the, the, the Senate of, of, of Stanford issued a very unusual uh, declaration targeting Scott Atlas and Jay Bhattacharya, I think also Michael Levitt. And it was, you know, nakedly political stuff, nothing to do with whether anything that they'd said was true or false. It was simply, um, you know, casting aspersions on their characters and um, attacking them in a very kind of uh, unobjective and personal way. So, you know, all of these people who are speaking out against the Malachi are um, in one under one form of pressure or another and subjected to very scurrilous reporting and personal reporting, both in media and in social media. So that was the backdrop against all of which all of this landed. And uh, we, we took the step of saying, okay, the advisory board gotten us to a point of um, being able to recruit lots of scientists into Panda, into the working team of Panda It's put us on the map in a, in a variety of ways we can't be in a position where, you know, the whole um, advisory board is in a tenuous situation. One or two people have already resigned. Let's take away this pressure. And so we, what we basically did was dissolve the advisory board as a concept and um, absorb scientists directly into Panda um, so that there's no outward kind of exposure. A uh, very disappointing situation. I mean, it's something we would rather not have had to do. But I think Panda's set and established, and it certainly hasn't put an end to the the stream of interest in and interviews that that was set into motion by the business presentation.
1: What about here in South Africa? There's two issues there. Would there be a political backlash against? the ANC, which has already got lots of other issues uh, with our elections coming up only next year, but uh, we are seeing some signs there of, of opposition getting some mm. strength. And then the second thing is the, the whole talk about a third wave, uh, which again in the media this morning was being propagated mm. quite aggressively.
7: <laughs> yeah, and everybody seems to forget that we were told and uh, known in certain terms that the third wave was going to start on the Easter weekend government was absolutely convinced of this. They were speaking about it as a fait accompli Um, and of course no such thing happened and so now we read again that there's going to be a third wave and it's going to be here and there and it's going to start then and you know I think this stuff is is really getting a little bit silly. I mean what what we would anticipate is that yes there would be a a winter waxing of respiratory viruses just as there always is. Um, It's possible that there are some pockets of South Africa that are not yet at herd immunity as we saw in December where the second wave made inroads into the middle classes who had successfully shielded. Um, but it is starting to wear a bit thin. And I think though the NICD may be making these noises, I'm not sure that government isn't starting to work out that it's the economy that see to their electoral electoral performance and that maybe they're starting to join the dots between not advancing any of the more extreme um, restrictions ever again and you know as as a as a necessity for preserving their standing with their electorate but it'll be interesting to watch we have had very mild measures really if you compare South Africa to what's been going on in Europe the the residue of this this curfew and The lunacy of continued mask wearing, even though the science has really moved on from that. But apart from that, we haven't had the the draconian measures that featured so much in the earlier stages of our lockdown.
1: Nick Hudson will be back at the Business News Conference 31 August to the 2nd of September in the Drakensberg in the Kingdom and we will be having other guests. We've got a, a very special import coming from Europe. Hans Otterling who has invested in 12 unicorns. How's that? The biggest uh, the most successful European tech investor. He's out here yeah. thanks to the uh, initiative of Rob Hursov.
2: That's very exciting, Alec. I'm just crossing my fingers for an invite this time.
1: No, you you got it. You're on. The, we're going to live broadcast from the from the Berg. Why not? Uh, Rob Hursov. Uh, will be talking, of course, Magnus Haystack, who uh, is our guest co-host tonight. Uh, we will also, of course, have the man you've just heard from, Nick Hudson. Uh, Magda Wierzyczka will be there. It's quite a crew. Pitvolion. Uh, and uh, Martin Freeman is coming out from New York as well. So a really strong, if anything, even stronger lineup than we had at that booked out first event. If you want to come to the Business News conference, just go into Business, News, go down the right hand side and you'll see uh, there's a pict- uh, there's a. Uh, A a link Click on that And away you go Sikunati Manchansha Is uh, with us now One of South Africa's Top journalists Who went To the other side To go and take a job That uh, we were saying Earlier Sikunati uh, You know When you're in journalism There was a deadline Once in a while Maybe once a day uh, now you have, <laughs> it's like the stress just never ends. I have, I have five issues that uh, we could spend half an hour on each going through at Eskom. Uh, I'm sure that you, well, you didn't really, you couldn't have imagined that it would have been this stressful when you moved across.
0: Alec, good afternoon. Uh, Good good evening to to the listeners as well. Uh, I must tell you that you couldn't be more wrong. I knew that it was going to be a very difficult and horrible job, you could say. Uh, Remember, I had dedicated a lot of my journalism time to covering uh, ESCOM, and I believed I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. And I must say, I have not been disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Alec.
1: for sure, and we 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 all remember, or sort of those of us in the trade remember. You nearly got, had a uh, well, you weren't swinging any punches, but it looked like the other guy on the other side of Eskim was going to do that. But that's in the past. It does look like things are stabilizing now, excepting uh, now you have to pick up all the all the muck. Uh, this latest issue, Paul O'Sullivan has been keeping us updated for the last two years on tubular construction, but the. Uh, The fact that Mike Lomas, who you probably know from your journalism days, was a big deal at uh, CEO of Group 5, 5. is one of those who's been brought into all of this. It it seems crazy that it, it went that high.
0: I, I, uh, just a step back, I can tell you that that very infamous uh, 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 altercation with uh, with that lawyer that that you referred to was only one of uh, of quite a few incidents where punches nearly did roll uh, back back uh, back in my journalism days. We missed
7: day
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> miss you on our side of the fence, but anyway, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm still alive. I can tell you that. Anak, with, with regards to to, to, to these uh, allegations uh, and and indeed this investigation that Media 24 has has published on on the Escom files and in particular the matter that you are referring to, it's it's a matter if you will remember very well back in 2019 there were arrests there, and and I must say with quite some disappointment that the only arrests in the many cases of corruption that Escom has reported. With the police, uh, there were four people arrested, and and Mike Lomas uh, is possibly uh, will be the fifth if he finally gets to arrive in South Africa through the extradition. And it's it, it's quite uh, one of those things, and and hopefully the start of the prosecutions that South Africans have been yearning for since uh, since the evidence of corruption has emerged uh, at ESCOM.
1: How much? Bigger is it? This is a 750 million rand um, scam that they were pulling. But how much more is out there that we can look forward to uh, seeing being exposed?
0: Alec, it's, it's impossible for anyone to say with any authority how much uh, the, 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 the scam has been, the, the fraud, the corruption. This is because uh, some of these contracts will have worked themselves out of the system. For example, someone who was building a, a certain part of Midupi uh, may have now completed their job, but uh, there would be uh, uh, much later people would, disca- would discover some evidence of malfeasance, which is the case here on this tubular construction matter. So uh, there are contracts that are still ongoing and that are under investigation. There are others that have been completed uh, that are obviously under investigation. And, and that is where I say we have not seen many arrests. ESCOM has laid more than 110 charges uh, with the South African Police Services. And we have approached again the the NPA uh, in, in, in 60 cases together that we're working with the Special Investigations Unit and uh, the, the Asset for Future Unit, this is only the first case out of 53 where the Asset uh, for Feature Unit has been approached with evidence that is before the law enforcement agencies, but we have not seen arrests, So I, I, I would not be able to, to say uh, the, the amount of corruption involved. Uh, at ESCOM is X, but I can tell you that uh, there, there, there are cases where ESCOM has actually gone to court or has actually successfully reclaimed money from organizations, as you will know, uh, Deloitte Consulting, uh, McKinsey, uh, that have paid ABB. We, we have received there about three billion rand uh, cash back from those those deals that had been tainted by this corruption. But there's a whole lot, many more that are still before the courts in which ESCOM is pursuing a civil claim. Uh, I I could put a figure and say about 7 billion rand is the amount that is before uh, or that will soon be making itself to court and those that you know of, including the infamous 3.8 billion rand.
1: Magnus, I'm sure you've got something that uh, you'd like to pick up on. That's 7 billion rand. That's not small change.
3: It's a a huge amount of money. When when the news broke about these four people and the assets that have been frozen, I mean, 1.4 billion divided by four or five, and that's like 300 million each. Again, my question is, where where do the banks come into play when those kinds of money floats around the banking system and, and the tax man, how was it possible to evade having to pay taxes, if one assumes that no taxes were paid, um, on these huge amounts of money? And it shows you how you know, the collapse of of, of the, 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 the collection ability of SARS combined with these massive amounts of money that was stolen, and the, the ease with which money could flow through the banking system it was just a terrible, terrible time for our country. And I don't think the final story or chapter or book has been written on it. The complicity potentially between the banks and the individuals and, and, and assets that can move around, motor cars, farms. It's, quite a, it's just quite astounding the amounts of money
0: involved. So, uh, Marinas uh, definitely, Marinas. I mean, uh, it's 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 not. It would not have been possible without the assistance of the banks to pull this kind of heist on south africa over the past 10 years I, I i can tell you now if i knew an answer to your question how was this possible i probably would be sipping some 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 nice drinks on an on on an island a desert somewhere uh, if i knew how, how how you pull off these kinds of heists, but certainly as soon as the bank stand up and and act we did see uh, of course very late in the day we did see quite a lot of this activity coming to a halt and 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 should uh, had sars and the banks kept up the pressure and 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 they, they they could have closed down a whole lot of this but you and i unfortunately as journalists, has to just sit there and, 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 and report on the matters and hope that one day someone in authority will stand up and do the right thing.
1: Sikanati, so, how did you end up at Eskimo? Now, ask this because there's a lot of heat now around Andre Doreta, and him being the CEO, presumably, is the guy who twisted your arm uh, to go and help there.
0: Uh, Alec, when Kulupas were left in April 2019, A vacancy uh, obviously became open and I was minding my own business at Daily Maverick when I received a call from a recruitment consultant working for ESCOM saying, uh, we have heard about you. We would like to, you to apply. We would like your CV. Uh, there is this position. At that point, uh, the, the 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 position was combined. It was spokesman uh, together with good uh, with group corporate uh, affairs executive, and and uh, so I did send my application. And there were people that were shortlisted. I was amongst those, and when escom decided they should split the roles again into two a standalone spokesperson together with uh, and then a group affairs executive i again received the call and and went to the interviews and i uh, obviously uh, andre De Wright, uh, uh, did play quite a role in in pursuing me to to join escom and and that's exactly what i did uh, i must say it was not very a very difficult conversation to have because I had personally dedicated uh, uh, no less than 15 years of my life in the newsroom only to uh, o- almost exclusively to what was going on at ESCOM and that was for the love of the of the organization and what it could do for the people of South Africa
1: So what's going on with Andre de Reto now every now and then something pops up in the media that there's an investigation into him and that he's Uh, He's on thin ice, and he might not be there for much longer. What's the real story?
0: I I must say this, Alec, uh, without any any hesitation, that there is a huge fight back. Uh, by by the elements that are responsible for the state of affairs in which ESCOM is today and in which of course the rest of the economy is they are not going to just give up lightly the privilege they have enjoyed over the years Uh, you you have seen reports elsewhere uh, about how much fraud has been pulled off on the people of South Africa and all of it, well a lot of it has come through ESCOM so the people are still around, they are still in position of power, both within and without ESCOM and, and, and perhaps uh, in the government and, and in business. What we have now is a clean-up operation that is indeed headed by Andre and and as the chief executive, and not many people are happy about about it. So you will have these uh, the, the, these allegations and these complaints about him that, that you now know only too well. Uh, we regard it as fight back or, or, or of the people that have been benefiting from the collapse of ESCOM, the total collapse of governance over the years and the, the, the manner in which uh, all of South Africa now finds itself with regards to electricity production.
1: Now you've got a perfect uh, seat in the front row of seeing the bad and uh, the, the good. When people ask you about the future of our country, how do you answer them? Have we, have we passed the critical point where we now are on a road to significant recovery or are we still at the, not quite at that point yet? Uh,
0: Alex, it's quite tempting for one to... Speak as a journalist and remember the good old days where one could say what one really (laughs) thought. (laughs) Now, unfortunately for you, uh, I, I represent ESCOM and I have to tell you about ESCOM. So I will answer your question in relation to ESCOM. A whole lot has been achieved at ESCOM over the past uh, two to three years with regards to to, to cleaning up the, the rot, the corruption, uh, and indeed the, the operations. That's not to say that we we, we are now uh, home and dry. As you know, we can announce load shedding any day, and that is a fact that we have to live with for a while. Uh, I am encouraged by the fact that the, the team that I work for, the management team and the board that I work for will not do what uh, perhaps some teams did uh, in the past, pretend there is no corruption pretend everything is hunky-dory, when we get uh, to, to, to know or, or a whiff of any evidence of or, or, of wrongdoing on the part of people working at ESCOM or of suppliers, that uh, we get to the bottom of and investigate properly and, 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 and do what should be done. Uh, so that, that gives me hope. Of course, it also gives me hope that we have in the government key people that are looking after the best interests of the country in terms of governance and 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 we, we may not forget that those people too are facing the same kind of pressures that that we have uh, we have just discussed when it comes to uh to, to, to Andre there is a huge cleanup operation going on at escom however it's not going to be as swift as uh, even the capture itself was not as swift so it's going to take some time but i'm quite uh, encouraged by the professionals the many professionals that have dedicated decades of their lives to the service of the people of south africa inside escom A, a few may be very famous for all the wrong reasons but you have a dedicated workforce of professionals that are doing everything they can to to give you and i a better future
1: Sukunati Manchasha uh, giving us some wonderful insights there. Do you feel a bit better as a young South African Uh, now, Justin?
2: I I really, really enjoy that, Alec. I I know he works at ESCOM, but it's great to hear him so upbeat, and and Sukunati's got a a great sense of humour on him.
1: Oh, of course he has. uh, (laughs) The way he used to bait these, uh, well... You, you just know uh, He certainly never held back as a journalist And a little bit of holding back There on that last question But it's wonderful to have someone with that Expertise and courage uh, In the position that he's in uh, Rayburn Hendricks needs a little bit of courage now uh, Rayburn, lovely to have you back On the program, last time we spoke Things were looking very different You were uh, looking To to list uh, Rovego, Africa Then it was postponed and you still came on the program anyway that night, now uh, we hear that it's postponed indefinitely. So what happened? Were you just poorly advised or has the JSC let you down? Um,
6: uh, Good evening, Alec, uh, um, and good evening, everyone. Um, You you are correct. We've uh, decided to not list uh, the company on the JSC, um, but for neither of the reasons that you mentioned, um, being either like the JC's influence or the advice of our advisors, um, what really happened is at the end of it, at the, at the end of the book build uh, process, um, we did achieve uh, the amount of uh, capital that we wanted to raise. However, when we looked at, um, at the shielding, um, um, like register the board and 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 the cornerstone shelters believed that the shelter spread that we achieved was not really suitable for like Rovigo to achieve our shortened goals um, um, main i guess uh, we had a, a predominance sort of high net worth uh, type in individuals and the fund managers um, like relative to institutions um, obviously outside of the cornerstone shelters. so um, what we need for the growth of like the long-term growth of the company are those institutional shelters, um, and so we really like decided that um, to instead raise uh, capital for like initial portfolio and to continue what we're doing, but not in the public space, but in like the private space. Um, and and, re- and really, what we believe that this will give us the flexibility to meet our, our objectives to build the yield co, um, and um, maybe maybe in the future, um, like the uh, public environment is going to be. Um, i for us but at this point um like the board and the, and the shields and the and the management we decided that this was not the case.
2: Rayburn this is extremely sad uh, me and a whole lot of market participants on the JSC was really a uh, highly anticipating this IPO. We don't get them too often on the JSE. I think the next one's going to be Coca-Cola Africa in the 12 to 18 months. But um, just with regards to that, the shareholder analysis, the spread, the IPO, that sort of goes to the investment banks, the big institutional guys. Surely your shareholder spread will become more diverse once you list and then those shares trade secondary on on the JSE.
6: I uh, no, you're correct, um, so there is um part of, part of the j c listing's um requirements is to achieve a minimum shelter spread um, that would have been achieved for example with the uh, presence of like retail like investors however, uh, I think I have mentioned and we mentioned in the pre listing statement that this is a highly capital intensive uh sector um, it's, it's also in my personal opinion we we need the uh, presence of um South African institutional investors on the equity front to really make it grow in the long term. And I think um, based on just the analysis of that that we did is we're not exactly, we were not exactly there yet. And I guess um, like like the big thing is you, is you only get to list once. We'd rather do it right Um um, I'm at the first time. And this, uh, and this was just not the moment um, uh, for us.
2: Rayburn, do you need those big institutional investors as a result of keep building the book, issuing new capital to fund further projects? Is that the reason for having to have the big banks and the big institutions backing you guys?
6: Yes, I think that's exactly right. Um, we did have like sufficient capital for the initial portfolio as detailed in the PLS. Um, however, like we, are, like we are taking a very long-term view and, and for that, we do need access to uh, like the institutional equity markets, those players uh, that you mentioned.
1: Uh, This is really strange because you've got individuals who do look after their money better than big institutions who were prepared to support you, high net worth individuals and so on, and yet the big asset management companies who should be putting the money in there in something new and exciting uh, didn't. Now, what did they say to you? What was their rationale for not finding you appealing enough
6: um difficult to say i mean um i think we definitely put our best case kind of forward um i think um part of it is that the reason one um gives one's money to a fund manager is um that that they're acting with uh arm with elements of prudence you know, to, to make sure that they evaluate all um, like the facts, um, um, like the upsides and like the downsides, um, and that it complies with their investment mandate. And, and I think um, for a variety of reasons, we've very good, uh, different things, is that um, uh, perhaps they didn't have like sufficient time. Um, and, like another reason could be that um, like they weren't too sure where it fits with them at like the bucket of opportunities for, um, for them. And then a third thing, like uh, definitely, especially for the larger uh, fund managers, the larger institutions, the like initial listing size was probably a bit too small for for like where they wanted it to be. So, um, so like those would be some of the reasons I think that 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 an institutional fund manager would have in their mind.
1: Raven Hendricks, the chief executive of Revego Africa, uh, not going to be listed in the stock market.
6: But
2: but Coca-Cola Africa is, is. and we, okay. we do need to get sharks for Muralin. Um I've been mulling over it, but uh, next week sometime we'll have them on the show, I'm sure.
1: Magnus, the big institutions in South Africa do have a responsibility also to, and I'm not talking specifically about Revega, but they do have a responsibility to inject money where it can actually make a, make a difference, where it can impact. Not not to say, no, it's too small and this, uh, this SME fund doesn't really need us. Surely some kind of a mindset change is required.
3: Indeed. Um, as I was listening to Rayburn, I was thinking back, and you will remember as a fellow journalist in the 90s and the early 2000s, we had the raging market in the emerging market stocks, the development capital sector, the alternative markets, and – Money was pouring into these small startup companies. Uh, We used to go to launches almost every week as financial journalists. There was this hive of activity and excitement. It's all died down. It seems as if the big institutions and since then, the the small cap and the mid cap sector has been a graveyard as an investor and or someone who has listed and it's all part of this bigger picture that the fund managers tend to focus on the bigger, dual-listed stocks. Uh, Maybe they're they're hiding all, for safety reasons, in the same stocks. There's a massive concentration, all buying the same stocks, all showing virtually the same kind of um, investment returns, which is not good for the country. The JSE is shrinking. It's it's, it's, it's not fulfilling its role as, as a creator of fresh capital, Foreigners are fleeing our markets and even South Africans are taking money out of the market. So it's more than just the one listing of Revego and that, that didn't succeed. There's a bigger and a, a macro number here at play, which which needs a bit, a, a bit better analysis than what I've just given you. But it is worrying there are a lot of companies are saying, and they delisting Anchor Capital and and Cartrack and, and all those guys. It's, they're saying the JC is not doing what it's supposed to do. We're either going to do it privately or we're going to do it somewhere else. And, and somewhere else is the NASDAQ or, or somewhere else. So it is a worrying trend, which has been going on for about 20 years now.
1: But on the other side, if you look at the glass half full, you say, wow, what an opportunity for an innovator and a disruptor to make a, a marketplace that, that will attract uh, the, uh, the Revegos and other companies like that which private investors have been looking for Purple Capital have done it uh, Justin we had Charles Savage on us uh, on our show last night and I think you were saying that there are 27,000 shareholders
2: 26,000 shareholders, one of the most diverse shareholder bases but I think that's credit to Charles and them besides being a, a little bit of a marketer, <clears throat> marketing company in my eyes they're, they're, they're a great brand and everyone loves Easy Equity for good <clears throat> reason
1: BrightRock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movements in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Let's talk about those markets, Justin.
2: The JSU All Share Index was up at 67,400. Some of the day's highlights included MTN up 11.5% to 99 Rand as the telecommunications provider announced an upbeat quarterly update and plans to spin off its fintech business with approximately 80 billion Rand. Tiger Brands up 9 Rand to 206 Rand a share, First Rand up 3.5% to 51 Rand and Steinhoff up 4% to 2 Rand 10 as the company announced formal plans to list discount retailer Pepco on the Warsaw Exchange. In the currency markets, the rand was flat against all the major currencies to 14 rand, 37 to the dollar, 19 rand, 98 to the pound and 17 rand, 25 to the euro. Gold is up at $1,783 an ounce. Brand crude is also up at $70 a barrel. And the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 820,000 rand a Bitcoin.
1: And this market report was made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. From our team here at BizNews and our guest co-host tonight, Magnus. Thanks for being with us. It's uh, it's lovely having you on the show uh, and bring your army of fans to to listen to the recording tomorrow. Always good to have you on the program, and looking forward to that conference already. It sounds like it's going to be great fun.
3: It's going to be great fun. We're already starting to work on some interesting themes. So uh, yeah, I think get there.
1: Thank you. Visit Eric in his kingdom. <laughs> not my kingdom. That's uh, that's the late Zverilatili's uh, kingdom. But uh, you know, it's it is still for some of us the most beautiful part in the country. But let's not get into that conversation. Mm. Sharks did no. win though at millions <laughs> recently let's not get into that (laughs) conversation either
2: the show's over (laughs) alec thanks for (laughs) just get some
0: (laughs) sleep
1: thanks for being with us tonight we look forward to being back in your company tomorrow at 5 30 from the team here at biz news until the next time cheers you've been listening to the power hour brought to you by the team at biz news